Hi, I'm Ashley Cooley, a birth baby and sleep specialist and mom of three. There's so much information out there, right? This show is dedicated to helping you clear out the noise so you can figure out what will work best for your baby and your family. If you're looking to learn more about your baby, gain more confidence in your parenting, and get as much sleep as you can through it all, you've come to the right place. Bringing up baby is about to get a little easier. Welcome back to the Bringing a Baby podcast. This is Ashley Cooley, and today we're talking with Edwina Kennedy of My Little Eater. Edwina and I first spoke early last year. She was actually one of my very first guests on the show, and I'm so glad we reconnected recently for our Bringing a Baby community membership. We had a great conversation with a group of moms, of parents in our membership program answering all of their questions. And I wanted to give you a a bit of that conversation because we really dove into more details around introducing solid foods, way more than what we got into in the first episode. So, you know, we were talking about what are the high allergenic foods? What are they? What are some helpful examples, like actually what to feed your baby and when as they get older? So the if, when, why, what, how of introducing solid foods. And I hope you get something out of it. So Edwina, hi, thanks for coming. Happy to have you here. So happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me again to chat. Yes. I just, I can't say enough about, and I know there's a lot of those in the group of Greek because we've been talking about it, your Instagram, your social media, the way that you put out information. And it seems to be so timely. (laughs) I find I'm not even feeding a baby right now, but I'm like, oh, I wouldn't have thought to even ask that question. So uh, I love the the stuff that you provide the families that are looking to feed their babies and have well-rounded, you know, nutrition and um, access to food. So I'd love to start with this question. It's not one that comes up too, too often, but it's a big question when it comes to al- allergenic foods. So what is the, what's research telling us or what are we meant to do when it comes to introducing allergens to baby? And is it different if there's a genetic component. So if there's family members with big allergies, peanut, shellfish, whatever that may be, is there a difference in terms of how they're meant to introduce that? Can you speak to that at all? Yeah, definitely. So if we were to think about how things have changed over the past 10 years, you'd see a lot of changes when it comes to uh, the introduction of allergenic foods for sure. So it used to be that, and maybe even, you know, older than 10 years ago, it used to be that we would wait until at least one year of age to introduce all the allergenic foods. I remember when my son, so this was a long time ago, I mean, 12 years ago, but I remember at that point it was, you can't introduce egg yolks or egg whites or peanut butter or anything like that until at least one year of age, because it used to be thought that um, their immune systems weren't developed enough to be able to handle any of those allergens. What has been the major change in starting solids um, information, honestly, has been the fact that now the recommendation is actually to introduce those allergenic foods closer to six months of age or as soon as you, you know, as close as possible to when your baby's starting solids. Um, The reason being there was one hallmark study that really kind of set the tone for this, and it was called the LEAP study, learning about early introduction of, uh, what was it called? I'm trying to think of the acronym, something peanuts, learning early about peanuts. I think that's what it's called. Um, 
So if you're interested, you could definitely check that out. But basically in that study, they, it was a very well done thorough study and they actually, uh, in a, to sum it up, showed that babies who were introduced to peanuts early on, rather than waiting, were had an 80% reduction of developing an allergy to that food, which was just groundbreaking. So basically- 80%, that, yeah, that's huge. Yeah, it is huge. I mean, it's life-changing for so many families. So um, they have basically started to extrapolate that information. And I know they're doing, you know, more specific studies on dairy and um, more specific studies on all the other allergens, but definitely the peanuts kind of has now allowed us to see that there is possibly a benefit and definitely there's no benefit of delaying. We know that for sure, even without the research, there's no benefit of delaying, but the other ones are showing that there's a benefit to actually introducing it early. So that's kind of the newest thing. Um, now there's a little bit of confusion because sometimes what we'll hear online or a lot of doctors, pediatricians, allergists will say that, well, if you have a high risk of developing an allergy, meaning you have somebody in your immediate family, so a mom, a dad, siblings um, that have an allergy to that food, then you may want to introduce it slightly earlier between four and six months of age. Now, just a caveat, we do typically want babies to start solids at around six months because that is when they're developmentally ready to start. But there's this kind of maybe warranting uh, of starting uh, allergenic foods slightly earlier for the purpose of getting it into their system. What happens and what I love to clarify today is that it's very specific to those families, one. So a lot of times, again, we're like, okay, great, let's start solids again at four months. And that's really, or our, even allergenic foods at four months. And it's really just for families who have been told by their doctor, they are at high risk and then they're under special protocol. But then two is it's not all solids. The whole purpose is we're just trying to get that allergen into your baby's body and their immune system exposed to it. But that doesn't mean we're giving them full on meals. That doesn't mean we're giving them a big quantity. And it de definitely doesn't mean we're expanding to other foods, which is lost in translation, even mm -hmm. with doctors a lot of times, um, just because it's the, the two pieces, the two worlds haven't collided with like the starting solids readiness signs plus the allergenic research. So that's the only thing to clarify. So you could introduce it in little tiny bits, again, depending on how your doctor wants, it to, wants you to do it, but it could be little licks of let's say hummus on your baby's lip. Sesame actually is an ingredient in tahini, which is an ingredient in hummus. And that's a great way to introduce that allergenic food, for example, or, um, you know, maybe a little bit thinned out in a touch of rice cereal of like peanut butter, almond butter, that kind of thing. You can introduce that allergen, but just enough that they're getting in maybe like a gram's worth um, to ingest. And then basically that's it for all solids. Mm, amazing. Well, I mean, that's, that's great to know. And I love that. Thank you for adding those other pieces to it. Cause it, it is hard, you know, doctors can get a bad rap in this where we hear some are not necessarily on top of all that research, but how can they be They really have to know so much. So it's great to have resources like you and my little eater, um, where you can go and get that kind of information and understanding the why and the reasons behind it too, are just really important. So that's awesome. Definitely. And I do want to say really quick, I don't mean to say anything, um, you know, implying that doctors don't know their stuff because they know an amazing amount. In fact, like way more than 
any dietitian would ever know on so many other sides, but it's impossible to know all of it and to be able to keep up to date with every single little tiny thing that changes every six months. So, um, yeah, they're, but they, they're absolutely amazing resource for sure. Um, so some questions that are already coming in are, are a bit related to what we're talking about. And so one of the first ones, and I think this was asked before even getting down to it was a five month old that's showing seemingly showing all the readiness signs for eating. Is it too early to introduce oatmeal or, or rice cereal? So I, I, again, I remember you and I, are you going into specifics of those readiness signs in our, our podcast episode uh, last time, but essentially we're saying that generally speaking, we're waiting till at least six months, if not even a little later sometimes, right? Yeah, that's right. So I never want to say that, no, there's no way a five month old can do it. But realistically, I have yet to see anybody, any baby that's truly ready at that age. They're definitely can be interested in food. Yes. They can definitely hold their head and neck up. Yes. Most babies for sure. By that age, um, they can definitely even reach for things and kind of bring it to their mouth. However, the biggest one that I don't see usually happening at five months is that ability to sit independently in an upright position on their own, right? That's the one that's really tricky. So just be careful. A lot of times we may kind of think, well, you know, they can sit in an assisted seat, like a, a bumbo chair, or they could sit in some kind of, you know, even if I prop them up on the sofa in the little corner, like, oh, they're sitting, but it really needs to be independent. Um, they don't have to be able to get into the seating position on their own independently, but they do need to stay there comfortably for a decent amount of time. There's no set time limit that you're saying, like it has to be one minute before they fall over or anything. But generally, if you have them in that high chair, are, is their airway open, their torso upright, their hips and their, um, and their torso kind of sitting at 90 degrees, that's going to be the safest way. And again, the biggest indicator that your baby's ready. Perfect. Okay. Thank you so much for clearing those up. What would you say to somebody who's asking to, you know, when we're talking about starting solids, generally speaking, at least I, I can remember the information I got is focus on iron rich foods um, or iron fortified foods, whatever that may be for you. And, and otherwise just kind of taste textures, whatever you're eating type of, of thing. But sometimes I feel like I get into my own ruts with eating and with food. So yeah. if I'm not particular, don't have a, too much variety going on. Um, I found that to be sometimes a bit challenging. Okay. What am I going to, what am I going to serve next? So can you give us some examples of what that could look like serving those first foods to, to baby? Yes. Definitely. This is a very hard, like you said, even for us adults coming up with ideas or even realizing when you really think about it, we're probably having like the same five, six meals on rotation, maybe, maybe seven, eight, if we're great. So, um, with babies, the really, the, I guess the thing that I really love to teach is there is a window of opportunity between six and nine months of age you know, it's not a hard line, but generally within that time frame, where they have more of an affinity to accept different flavors and accept different textures. And believe it or not, that pickiness often starts right around 10 months of age for many, many babies. So before that is when I like to say, okay, this is the time to really, really get that good foundation with lots of flavors, lots of textures, lots of different types of food so that it's not harder to do that later. So that means a lot of times, again, when we're starting solids and this is great, especially for the first couple of weeks, you know, you want to ease into the whole idea of like, what is mealtime and how do we do this with baby and do they accept it? And just wrapping, you know, getting bearings around this whole process. 
you may want to start with just, you know, a few different foods that you're trying out for fun. That's fine. So things like everyone loves, loves the banana, the sweet potato, the avocado and the rice cereal. Those are kind of like have mm-hmm. always been staples, you know, avocado has definitely been thrown in over the last few years. Is like I literally think those were the first four for us too. It was yeah. a very common, easy kind of mushy. Yeah. Yeah. Super soft, very easy to have on hand, no prep required. Like it's there. Then they are great. Um, like you said, you definitely want to focus from a nutrient perspective on iron, high iron foods, which infant fortified cereal will provide. But again, for multitude of reasons, not just like taste exposure, but also from the, um, from the perspective of like getting in a lot of arsenic, there's a lot of arsenic in rice, which is a kind of a separate topic, but just to, just to kind of throw it out there, we don't want to be giving your baby rice cereal every single day or every single meal. So variety is key. So that's a good source of iron. But if we could, we could expand them honestly to any, think about any great adult food, think about what you would want for breakfast or lunch or supper, every single meal with the exception of extremely high salt foods or processed foods can be modified for your baby. I actually just came out with a 60 day baby uh, lead feeding meal plan that will give you tons of ideas for that. But things like eggs, I mean, that's an easy, soft one. Again, low prep, no kind of like fuss around it, but you could do like a baby omelet where you kind of pan fry an omelet like very thinly in the, in the, um, in the pan, and then you can cut it into strips and you can give your baby that. Or if you're doing purees, of course, you could always puree the egg. You could do scrambled egg. All of those are safe to start with. So that is really good. Um, you can also do, I love honestly bean mashes if you're going to do puree root. Um, and also, even if you're doing baby led weaning, it's really hard. I mean, they can't pick up beans, but you could do bean burgers. You could do, um, mm. you could do meat even or tofu. All of those are high iron foods. And yes, you got to figure out how to do that safely. But honestly, it's not as hard as most people think. It really, really isn't. And for them to be able to get those iron sources from a variety, you think about all those flavors that we just named off right there. That's huge. Fruits and vegetables, of course. I love to you know, have those included um, most meals, if not every meal in addition. But know that it's not providing your baby any of the nutrients that they're missing. Like they're getting all the nutrients they need from breast milk and formula. From that, mm. in that perspective, what they do need is iron and zinc, which mm. they can't get through enough in breast milk and formula. So that's why I'm like, you know, you, you don't have to worry so much about getting in all the fruits and vegetables. It's really like the high iron foods that we want from a nutrition perspective, but all foods from a flavor and texture perspective, if that makes sense. Absolutely. That, yeah, I think that really, well, from my perspective, it clarifies things. I know I've been through it already, but um, it's helpful to know because they tend to really go for those fruits and veggies pretty quickly, pretty easily for the most part. And, and that's all great. And we can say, oh, we have a good eater, <laughs> um, yeah. but it's, it's, that's great, but it's more about what they're actually missing after that six month mark from, yeah. from, from breast milk and formula. So that's so helpful. Yeah. And the vegetables, I will say, you know, there is a myth always going around about like, you know, introduce vegetables before fruit, because that's going to um, mm. prevent, or I guess, help them not have this affinity for sweets, right? They're going to get accustomed to that bitter flavor early. And then they're going to, you know, be able to accept that when sweets foods are later introduced. But honestly, breast milk is sweet. They've tasted sweet foods and all humans have an affinity for sweet foods regardless. So don't worry so much about that. But of course it's important. We want them to love vegetables. I would encourage everyone to kind of think about 
you know, what's a good variety? Even if you think about once a week, I'm going to add something to my grocery list that's different than what they've had before. And honestly, it could be like from broccoli to broccolini. It could be slightly different like that. Or it could be something like, um, you know, like uh, parsnips instead of carrots. Again, it's cooked the same way. It's kind of similar, but it's a different one nonetheless. Um, if you want to expand your fruits, I mean, there's tons of fruits out there that maybe we're not eating on a daily basis, but we can definitely want, we want to introduce our baby to all those. So think of kiwi, think of mango, think of papaya, think of, um, you know, I don't know, I'm trying to thing on the spot, but just there's, there's a whole gamut, you know, watermelon, think about what's in, you know, season locally. Um, all of these foods, I promise you every single one can be modified safely. So there's no harm in it. And like I said, it's just expanding your baby's palate and helping them lay that foundation to prevent pickiness later on. I can remember having to specifically remind myself at times at the grocery store, like I would never pick this up for myself, <laughs> but the baby could want it and they should try it. Yeah. So let's try this. So it is hard to think about, but those are some really great concrete examples. So thanks for, for sharing those. Again, thanks for your expertise and sharing all of this with us today. I'm definitely going to share links for uh, where to find you and get access to that. But can you share that with us again in terms of, you know, like your courses and things like that, if somebody was interested? Sure. So um, I do offer two courses. One is baby led feeding online course, which basically walks you through starting solids from six months to 12 months, whether you're starting with purees or finger foods, it doesn't matter. It really just shows you how to advance your baby through different textures step-by-step. Step. And again, covers all the nutritional bases, all of the kind of feeding therapy and environmental things that you want to have set up at mealtime, everything, um, balanced meals so that you can have a baby that has the strongest foundation. And then also the feeding toddlers online course, which is for kids one year and up, basically up to around seven or eight years of age, you can use the strategies and it's all about how to prevent and manage picky eating and have a toddler that eats, you know, adventurously. So, um, basically that one is something that is, I recommend taking around 11 months, 12 months. Again, as you start, start to see the one little tiny warning signs, that's when you really want to have that, all that information in your arsenal so that, you know, you're setting up mealtime the right way. You're responding the right way. You're offering the right types of foods. You don't have to worry and why you don't have to worry about nutrition, but also when do you have to worry about nutrition supplements, everything, everything that you need to know about feeding your child from one to eight years of age is all there. Um, so yeah, those are the two. And then of course, follow me online, uh, at my little eater on Instagram. Cause I'm there every single day posting tips, got the blog, we got the podcast. So take mm. it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. It, but it's great to have all those different avenues for getting, you know, whatever people are interested in, but you do share so much on all of those platforms. So keep doing what you're doing. Thank you so much. And maybe we'll do this again next year. We'll make it a yearly and annual event. <laughs> would love that. Thanks so much for having me. Looking for more? Check out birthbabysleep.ca where you'll find prenatal classes, postpartum and new baby resources, and sleep support during the childhood years. You'll also find me on Facebook and Instagram at birthbabysleep. It would be awesome if you followed us wherever you listen to podcasts, and if you can, leave a review or a rating, which goes a long way for helping others to find us. That's all for now. I'm Ashley Cooley, and we'll see you back here next time.